deadly secret had been hidden on the mountain longer than anyone knew. Disguised as another infamous killer, they were free to roam the valley for thousands of years, unchallenged, while they went about, ending the lives of numerous aphids, and they almost got away with it, until one day someone found them. everyone and welcome to episode 35 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, a podcast about ladybirds around the world. I'm your host Rachel. We've got a bit of a special ladybird for you today, but before we get into that, I want to tell you about next week's interview. I'm speaking to Mohammed Najajra and Marzim Kumzia of the Palestine Museum of Natural History at the University of Bethlehem. So this is going to be an incredibly interesting conversation. I do hope you if you're subscribed that you check it out because I'm really looking forward to it and another exciting thing that's out this weekend is the UK wildlife podcast's 50th episode together with I think nine or eight other podcasters we had a sort of evening of chaos and it was a hell of a lot of fun to record so that's out now I'll put a link in the show notes and um I'm as soon as I finish recording this, I'm going to go listen to it myself because it was such a lot of fun. We had such a good time. And I, if you haven't already subscribed, it's an excellent podcast to listen to. My podcast recommendation for this week is the Out for Walk podcast. This is a new podcast presented by Anthony Chalmers. In each episode, Anthony walks around a different location, taking in local history, nature and field recordings. And it's a really fascinating show, really relaxing to listen to, and I'm really enjoying it. In the most recent episode I listened to, Anthony headed to the Thames Estuary with Donna Zimmer, where they walked around Crayford Marshes. So we're not in Palestine for this episode, or at the Crayford Marshes, but we're staying in the Middle East. We're going to Iran. And more specifically, we're going to a mountainous region around Shirkul Mountain, in Yazd province in central Iran. Because back in 2014, an Iranian entomologist called Mehdi Zoreh Hormizi, together with a Czech entomologist called Oldrich Nedved, and a team of other researchers, was conducting field research on ladybirds around the Kukhbenan Mountains in Kerman province in southern Iran, and on Shirkuh and the surrounding mountains. Now, I want to say something about Shirkul Mountain. It is part of a series of mountains that encircle the west side of a central desert in Iran called Dasht-e Kuvir. In Persian, Shirkul means lion, and in Kurdish, the name Shirkul is commonly given to boys and means lion of the mountain. Shirkul 
was a Kurdish military commander in the 16th century who was the uncle of Saladin. And Saladin, of course, was the famous warrior who fought the Crusaders. He was given the nickname Asad ad-Din in Arabic, which means Lion of Faith. As well as the mountain being named Shirku, his name is also given to several modern-day Iranian villages. Now, if you look at a map of Iran, Yazd is almost slap-bang in the middle. It's about 170 kilometres from Isfahan, which is the third largest city in Iran. Yazd is the capital of Yazd province, and it has around 530,000 inhabitants, so around a sort of medium-sized city. And in a 2011 census, the province itself, the city and the surrounding area, had around 1 million inhabitants. Shiraku Mountain is around 40 kilometres from the city of Yazd, and it is the highest peak in that province. It reaches 4,055 metres above sea level. For comparison, Snowdon, which is the highest mountain in Wales, is around 3,560 metres. Mount Everest is between 7,600 and 8,600 metres. So it's around a sort of middling size. It's not the tallest mountain in the world, but it is pretty high. However, it is very biodiverse. A total of 610 different types of plants have been found there, of which 91 have been included in the Red List of Plants of Iran. The Red List denotes plants which are threatened, and there are thought to be a very large number of undiscovered and undescribed invertebrates there. So, while they were exploring one of the valleys in the mountain range around Shirku, between 2,960 and 3,155 metres above sea level. Zare Hormizi and his team made a startling discovery. And if you're a fan of this show, you can probably guess what that discovery was. It was a new type of ladybird. And at the beginning of 2020, this ladybird was recognised as a new species. Oenopia shirkuhensis. Zorea Hormizi named this ladybird after the mountains where it was discovered. Oenopia is quite a common genus of ladybird in Europe, and the name Oenopia originally referred to the Greek island of Aegina, an island in the Saronic Gulf off southeastern Greece near Athens. But the story doesn't end there, because Oenopia shirkuhensis has developed in a very interesting way. I'm going to describe the ladybird, and you can also take a look at the picture I've included in the show notes. And after that, perhaps you can guess what might have happened. So, the background colour of the ladybird's elytra is pinky red and orange, and there is a thin dark line going down the middle of the ladybird called the sutural line. On each side of the ladybird, there is one small black round spot. The pronotum of Oenopia shirkuhensis is creamy white and has seven spots forming a VVV pattern with two more small spots just in front of the ladybird's eyes. Ladybirds from the Oenopia genus, of which there are several in Iran, can be anything between 2.5mm long to 6mm long, although from the information I found on Oenopia shirkuhensis, 
These ladybirds are between three and five millimetres long, so slightly smaller than a two-spot. One ladybird was found to have large spots extending towards one another. The ladybird has got brown legs and antennae, but the abdomen is completely black. So the position of the two spots on Oenopia shirkihensis is the same position as two of the spots on Oenopia conglobata, which is a very closely related ladybird. One of the main ways you can tell this ladybird apart from similar species is the genitalia. And if you don't want to hear about this part, you can skip ahead to around 30 seconds. So on the male, the tip of the ladybird's penis sticks out from the main body at around a 45 degree angle, whereas on Oenopia conglobata, that one has its penis sticking out at an 80 degree angle. And on yet another mountain species, Oenopia oncina, it's more like a 90 degree angle for the penis. The penis of the ladybird has been described as being like a key, which only fits into the lock, i.e. the female genitalia of one species. And if you want to know more about this, we're going to do a multi-part episode soon on mating and reproduction, if you can't get enough of this sort of thing. So unfortunately, as the ladybird is so newly discovered, I'm unable to find any information on what the larvae and pupae look like. It's actually not really known what they look like. They're very scarce and they haven't really found any of them. However, with Oenopia conglobata, the larva has a black, red and peachy pattern on its back, with pinkish lines going down the middle of the larva and a pale white and pink abdominal segment towards the end of the abdomen. So this larva probably looks similar, as they are very closely related, but I don't know for sure and I don't want to describe it wrongly. The Oenopia larvae can look somewhat similar to another genus called Propylia, which we'll talk about on an upcoming episode of the show, as one of them is a very common ladybird in the UK, the 14 spot. They can be distinguished because the Propylia ladybird larvae have a line going all the way down the larva's back, whereas the Oenopia ones, that line turns into a series of dots around the top of the larva's abdomen before turning back into a line again. The pupa of Oenopia conglobata is brown, with a peachy line going down the middle of it, but as I've not seen a pupa of Oenopia shirkuhensis, I can't really describe what it looks like. So if you listened to the description of the ladybird, what do you think is going on? So if you heard the description and thought of its two black spots, and thought it sounded like a more common ladybird, perhaps one you've seen, perhaps maybe the two-spot, you're absolutely right. According to Mehdi, the ladybird has evolved to be a mimic of the two-spot. Now, there are two types of mimicry used in the animal world. These are Mullerian mimicry and Batesian mimicry. Mullerian mimicry is when two or more animals which are usually well-defended or foul-tasting with common predators, evolve to resemble each other. Now, you can find examples of this anywhere in the animal world. If you look at wasps, bumblebees, poison arrow frogs, you can see that as they commonly resemble one another and signal to predators to keep well away. And sometimes, other species through convergent evolution, who are not related or not closely related, can come to resemble them too. This is known as Mullerian mimicry rings. The other type of mimicry is Batesian mimicry. 
That's when a harmless species comes to resemble the warning signals and colours of a more dangerous one. Think of hoverflies and wasps. Hoverflies don't sting or cause any harm, but because of their yellow and black colours, predators keep away because they do actually resemble a wasp. Now, in the case of Oenopia shirkuhensis, this ladybird has evolved to be a Mullerian mimic of the two-spot, Adelia bipunctata. The spot pattern looks very similar or like almost identical. The ladybird evolved from its closest relative in the Oenopia genus, the pink-coloured ladybird Oenopia conglobata, with the 80-degree penis. And it's thought that geographical isolation, being sort of halfway up a mountain, has led to these ladybirds becoming a separate species. But then the story gets even stranger, because there are no two spots found where Oenopia shokuhensis was found, so high above sea level. In fact, it was actually the only ladybird found in that position. So what's going on? It's possible, although unlikely, that Mullerian mimicry wasn't the cause of the spot pattern. Perhaps the number of spots reduced for another reason. Perhaps it was related to the climate. And to add another twist to the story, Nedved and a team of other researchers collected a number of two spots from orchards nearby to the mountains. And these two spots had evolved a pink colour not seen anywhere else in that species. The same pink colour as Oenopia conglobata, and unusual pronotum markings similar to the Oenopia ladybirds. This form became known as F. fasciato punctata. So that raises the question, what's happening here and what is actually mimicking what? In an environment such as a mountain where it gets very cold, it does make sense for darker coloured ladybirds to survive rather than paler ones, but that actually hasn't been the case here. The form of the two-spot that Oenopia shokuhensis has mimicked is the typical form rather than the, uh, rather than the darker form. So far, Oenopia shirkuhensis is only found in a geographically isolated area. It's only found in Shirku and a handful of other close-by mountains in Iran. It hasn't actually been found anywhere else. But its potential use as a biological control suggests that attempts might be made to use it for agricultural purposes. And while I don't actually have to hand an exact list of foods the ladybird eats, I'm sure you will be astonished to learn that it's been seen eating aphids. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'd like to thank Mehdi for the help that he gave me with it. And please do look up the ladybird if you can. It looks amazing. And it's so fantastic that another ladybird has been discovered so recently and added to the over 6,000 ladybirds already known about. To discover a new species of ladybird is a fantastic achievement, and especially so when there's a shortage of entomological books, resources and keys to identification, and difficulty obtaining these things, ordering them online or raising money to buy them, as there is in Iran. A huge part of this is due to political reasons and issues between Iran and the USA, and many websites, such as GoFundMe, don't actually accept fundraisers if money will be sent to Iran, as I found out the hard way, I'm afraid, even if it is to fund valuable scientific research. If you're interested, you can find out more info on Mehdi's Instagram, ladybugs.ir, or on his research page, which I've included in the show notes, along with all my other sources. So go check it out. 
This ladybird seems like it's got so many more surprises to it, and I'm sure there's much more to discover. If you like this show and want to support me, you can follow me on Twitter at HWABpodcast or on Instagram, 365.ladybird. You can like my Facebook page, Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. If you want to contribute financially, you can buy me a coffee at www.co-fee.com slash HWABpodcast. But if you can't afford to do this, you can leave me a review on your podcast app. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Ghana, or wherever you get your podcasts. Music at the start of the show is by Deborah Torrance. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.